L.C. Yeah! <laughs> there it is! Where that beat crashes in, you know it's time to begin! And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to... E.L.C. We're early. We're early this week, but that's okay! We're excited to have you, D.L.C. Of course, the show all about games in their many forms. DLC, of course, brought to you by our patrons over there at patreon.com slash DLC pod. If you are one of our patrons, thank you for making this show possible. You really do make the show possible in a very tangible way. If you are not one of our patrons yet, maybe consider it. You get cool perks, including ad-free episodes, a video version of the show, the complete archive of all the video versions we've done. And a entire bonus show called Paid DLC, where Christian and I muse on a whole range of topics. And we've gotten a lot of really awesome feedback about that show. So check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod. DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I am joined... As always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who's wearing the same shirt I am. Because my wife gave it to him. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Choo-choo. We are on the gray shirt express. It is hype train (laughs) time. Everybody's wearing the gray Uh, t-shirt. Yes, you're, you're, for people who don't know, um, your wife is kind of in that business. So it's not... This isn't Jeff's shirt. It is a shirt that your wife had access to. It's not like Jeff doesn't wear this one anymore. Here you go. Uh, you can have it. <laughs> that is a funny interpretation of what I said. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My the wife's like, hey, <laughs> Christian, you want Jeff's old gray t-shirt? <laughs> he, he clearly has more than one of them. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a strange friendship, Christian and I. My wife gives him clothes. It's weird. I'm over. Uh, Jeff's like, you need to leave. And I'm like, I don't have a shirt. And your wife's like, here. And then my kids are like, I don't have pants. And then your kid's like, here. It's just, it works. It all balances out, you know? <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, we're not here to talk about apparel, although we could. Uh, we're here to talk about video games. And we got we got lots to get into this week, including some really interesting new releases, some uh, some juicy news. You know the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week we have one of our favorite guests back with us. When he's here, DLC stands for Destiny's longtime champion because it seems like he's always talking about Destiny when he's here, but he is our go-to guy, and he even has his own theme song. Hit it! Who's that coming they must be recording on a holiday. Who's gonna talk about the games that they don't really want to play? He's dependable, dimensional, and so sincere. That's why we want to hear his games with 
we just got to have you on more often, Anthony, just to hear the theme song. Sean. I do. I do enjoy the pot, the the theme song. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, 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 it's too rare that we get to uh, listen to that. And of course, uh, that is our our stalwart um, Sean Madigan, who has graced us with so many awesome theme songs and bumpers along the way and and uh, anthony gets his own but anthony thank you for being here it's been too long how are you i'm great uh i just got back from uh this week uh took the four-year-old to disneyland first time at disneyland wow that's cool how was it yeah it was great uh very busy busier than i would have liked but we booked out three days we you know took the stimulus checks ahead of time and we said we're going to do disneyland when we feel comfortable we're going to do it big and we did it big and it was it was a ton of fun what was the four-year-old's favorite ride? Uh, teacups. Wow. He wh- So my favorite ride after Haunted Mansion is teacups because I love to just spin in a circle. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of just, you know, getting dizzy. And so it brought a little tear to my eye that he loved the oh. teacups, mostly because his mom would say, you know, I don't like this. It's making me, you know. And then so he thought that was hilarious. Yeah, that's my nightmare is that my kids want to ride the teacups because I will puke. Yeah, he was very much get off the ride. Let's do it again. <laughs> but he's a kid, so you have to do it. When I say yeah. it, my wife just goes, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I, I love most rides. The the spinny, spinny, spin, spin rides, not my jam. Uh, I, I, I get dizzy easy. So. I do think two things change as you get older. And one is that, like, dizziness, uh, susceptibility, I think. Yeah, yeah changes and also i i'm almost certain that thermal regulation changes where like my kids ocean sploosh dive in pool right. sploosh dive in me yeah. toe in no and like getting up to the belly button like yeah. get out of here it's like taking me an hour and it's full of me going <laughs> yeah you're so right it'll be 58 degrees and my, we go to my dad's house and my kids are like can we be in the pool we'll be in there all day don't let us get, they'll be shivering in the pool please don't make us get out like what is the interesting thing about disneyland is that you know we ride them as adults and i i don't know if you guys you know when you rode them pre-kids you rode any of like the more kiddie rides but you ride them and you don't think anything of them you're like haunted mansion yeah i'm in the elevator the room is yeah. not stretching blah blah right. blah then you take a kid and you're like oh man this stuff <laughs> Like the Star Wars Rise of the Resistance ride, you know, it it sets up this whole idea of you're like boarded or you're captured by the bad guys. And he's looking at me. He's like, Daddy, is this pretend? Is this yeah. pretend? I'm like, yeah, right. it's pretend. But then you start to realize like Disney does a great job of creating this world that normally I just take for granted. I just, you know, get me on the ride. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Uh, our imaginations are are sadly atrophied at this age exactly you know? yeah yeah well you know one of the things that uh is helpful with imagination and keeping it kid-like is playing video games so let's uh let's jump in and start the show the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We love hearing from you for any reason. If you'd like to give us a comment about the show, a question, even your own reviews of video games, we love hearing from you right there at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also love you participating 
In our communities, we have a thriving Discord community at 5x5DLC on Discord and a cool subreddit you can find at 5x5DLC.reddit.com. We urge you to take part in those fun communities. Great folks hanging out, talking games and all kinds of stuff. But Anthony, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? So I'm going to go a little off book of the Google Doc. Oh. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, was, I wasn't sure. I, I asked Christian. Christian didn't respond to my text. I don't think he talked about it. I don't think it happened. In, it happened in between. But it's the uh, Xbox Bethesda conference announcing that it's happening. It's happening. Yeah, no E3, and but that's E3. okay. Yeah, I mean, it's basically when E3 would have been, I think. Right. Uh, I, well, yeah. you know, clearly Microsoft slash Xbox has not officially participated in E3 for several years now. But yeah. they had that, you know, at the same time, we're kind of we're kind of, you know, coordinating so that our stuff doesn't overlap with other people's stuff. And we're right there next door. And, you know, it, it sort of was E3, but but not. And you got to figure this it has been uh, in the works for much longer than the E3 announcement that things weren't happening at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Were you surprised to, to see that this is still going off at that time, June, what, 12th or something? Yeah, I kind of, just because it, I guess maybe the, the pandemic had given me a sense that they didn't really care about the timing because they, mm. you know, PlayStation's, uh, in 2020 was much later, obviously. So was Xboxes, and then I think they were both much later than normal. But this just feels like, oh well, we're just kind of doing E3 without E3. Yeah, um, and and I think that this press conference is very exciting just because of the fact that, I mean, I think this is going to be the biggest press conference of the year. I think. Well, you know, we've uh, I've hung out with you at numerous Xbox uh, press conferences and numerous Bethesda press conferences, each of which is a full event and to see them (laughs) smashed together for the first time, you know, in a, in a universe where there's actually these kinds of events again. Yeah. Yeah. It it does. It does in a way make me sad because yes, you and I, we would bond over the Bethesda press conferences. Those were always the goofy, um, the carnival yes. and the 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 Christian doesn't want to go, and then Blink One Eighty Two plays only the hits, and we got a <laughs> sprinkles cupcakes and an In and Out truck. Um, but now it's combined, so now Microsoft well, Microsoft is usually like the least uh, ostentatious as far as their press conferences. But I think just in terms of sheer games that we know about, there are so many things that we will, I assume, we'll see gameplay for from Fable to avowed to obviously starfield is the big one but things yeah the things logo, that we just have no sense of yeah the logo that they uh they kind of used as the announcement for this thing clearly pointing towards towards starfield being a major part or the yeah. centerpiece of the conference which has me excited i mean obviously if it's coming out in november this is the time to do a real significant unveiling of gameplay and details so yes i mean as somebody who loves those kinds of games and has been chomping at the bit to see more Starfield stuff. I'm, I'm excited, but Anthony, do you think that there's a a chance that, you know, like we said, the Xbox conference was usually this machine gun drinking from the fire hose of trailer, 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 trailer. And then Bethesda, you know, had its own dozen or so trailers. Do you think, 
just by virtue of the fact that it's going to be combined and they're probably not going to add another hour to the thing that there'll be a lot of games on the cutting room floor or what do you expect? Do you think it'll feel over full? It could. I I think if you want to satisfy the people, you have to do a deep dive into Starfield. So I think that will take up a big chunk, but I, yeah, I think you could rattle off a lot. We don't really know, you know, they bought Bethesda and we don't really know what all the Bethesda studios are working on. We only know Starfield. We don't know is is another Wolfenstein in the cards. You know what? Right. Well, we know we know Redfall. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's true. Like a, a little bit, and, and then and then Indiana Jones, um, which I don't know if we'll see. They've yeah, talked about some that stuff. Is. Yeah, but yeah. it'll be very interesting. But I mean, yeah. they bought them for a reason, so they could say, like, "Look, we bought you, and we're going to give you the money to do this and do that and do this and just make those announcements." Yeah, I'm excited to just hear about new games. Christian, do you think? I mean, obviously, we've joked about how our our E3 hype train bumper is is sailing off into the final tunnel, never to be heard from again. Where you know, is E3 well and truly dead? And of course, we have Keeley saying, hey, I'm swooping in and I'm going to do the the summer of games. And there'll still be a big hoopla around video games in that period. But are you excited that Microsoft has put their flag in the sand and said, hey, we're doing something that is basically a traditional E3 press conference at the traditional E3 time? I, I I like a big press conference and I like a big press conference that, uh, you know, isn't, I, I like the big press conference. I like the big pre- press conference that hits a bunch of games and has that excitement feeling the little 20 minute things on a Wednesday on, and then another one on a Thursday and then another one three weeks from now, like that stuff I kind of lose in the, you know, black hole that is time so i like that this feels important in a big way versus some of the other ones that come out and it's like oh cool i will definitely read about them but i'm not putting it on my calendar you know making popcorn and like this is going to be an event and i feel like this one is so i I like that this feels like popcorn time yes i'm i'm curious if you know the, the summer lull in game releases if that continues to be a thing that is a, a misnomer, you know, as the lull goes away and we never really have lulls anymore. And it's just fire hose of nine out of 10 and 10 out of 10 releases all year. If this conference maybe moves, like where is the best time for these types of conferences to exist in terms of generating maximum hype for the back half uh, slate of games and, and into the future and I think summer kind of works because it's that halfway point. But yeah. I wonder if like a back to school, like August, September time frame hits hard because it's like your summer breaks over. People are kind of getting back to home. I know this is talking about the before times, but like people are back home. You're watching things. You've settled down. You're not on trips. You're doing back to school shopping for other things. If they can kind of use that as a shopping experience too where it's mm. we've sent out these bundles like Apple used to they didn't have a conference around it but they would do press events around their back to school offerings and discounts and this that and the other and I haven't seen games really tap into that and I think they could and I think that could be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I mean oftentimes you'll see stuff at E3 that is coming out in September though. So, you know, it's 
that that that, that holiday window kept creeping up early and earlier. Uh, so that is true. Know, Fourth of July late. is everybody's favorite holiday. We celebrate it all year. Right after Halloween, <laughs> we go straight into Fourth of July season. That's yeah. right. Yeah, well, I mean, I, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that Sony has sort of set up this precedent of we are not going to show you something unless it's pretty close and we have gameplay to show and Microsoft and Bethesda to a certain extent have said, no, we'll show you a logo. We'll tell you we're making a game. Elder Scrolls six is coming. Yeah. And who knows when? So, I mean, that alone just, you know, kind of builds the excitement. You know, you have a general sense of what to look forward to. And I, though it, I prefer games to be shown and then released. I do like knowing what's on the horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to show you Forza. how Forza is on the horizon. I mean, <laughs> well, Aloy is on the horizon. Oh, yeah. Good point. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, to show, you, you were right, Anthony, that this wasn't in our in our rundown of, of news stories this week. But to show you how much I was excited about it, I did text Christian the link as soon as I read it. And I was like, you know, squee uh, exclamation points guy of like, it's happening. It's a fun thing. It's going to be a fun thing to cover. Um. So yeah, I'm, I'm on that page too. It's, 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 yeah. it's exciting. I, you it's, and you and I, we are, we are still in the conference excitement. Christian more cynical. Well, that's, that's, no, I'm excited you, for uh, this. I would watch it from home. Like I would yeah, every watch other it from year. Home. You yeah. and I, you, you popped my conference cherry. You and I, we yeah. saw a conference together at my first conference. And I was like, yeah. you wanted to keep doing that? And you were like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff was like, I'm going to drive two hours in L.A. traffic. I don't care. Just so I can have a turkey leg and see some doom. And I was like, I could take the train and be there really soon, but I'm good. Uh, but I love that they make it available for me to do that. And I love that they've made it available now for everybody. You know, yes, there's something special about being in the room, but um, it's mostly the turkey legs, Christian. It's mostly the yeah. and I'm a vegetarian, so that explains so yeah. much of it, you know. Yeah, it was uh, it was about the food for me, mostly ninety percent about the food. <laughs> it was good food. It was it, good it food. was uh, it was good food. It's pretty. If you love uh, tiny little uh, sliders, <laughs> or uh, you know, uh, maybe a pretzel, you're in. You're in, baby. Um, all right, uh, <laughs> Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? So there are two that I think are super interesting, and one transitions really nicely from the one that Anthony was just talking about and when you show games and how you release them and talk about them. Um, so I'm not going to pick that one. I'm going to go, go with the one that doesn't transition as nicely from the thing we were just talking about. Because you're and a I'm pro. Talk, thank you. And I'm going to talk about the idea slash rumor slash leaked reports um, as we get closer to the plow the PS plow clearing the streets for all of us. Um, finally, so we can drive year round when the PS plow merges these two platforms together. The idea that Sony is going to require limited time game trials for PlayStation titles that are MSRP priced $34 and above. And so the idea is that if it is a you know, approaching AAA budget style game, you need to have a um, time, a limited time demo available for that game. It does not need to come out at launch. It doesn't need to be available at the game's launch. I think it's like a three month window um, for these demos to be out. 
and I think it's fascinating because I think when we talked about PlayStation Plus, all the different tiers, one of the things mentioned was, you know, oh, game demos. And it, that wasn't a thing that <laughs> existed really. Um, EA had their, their 10 hour, and it wasn't a demo. You'd get 10 hours of playtime for some games and some games you'd get early access through EA play and stuff like that. But this idea of actually getting demos or limited time slices of games is something that while I feel for the developers and in terms of the work it might create, I think is really cool. You know, I'm a little bummed that it seems to be locked behind a paywall in terms of uh, a PlayStation plus style perk, but I love I love demos. I love demos on old Xbox Live Arcade where every game had to have a demo. I think it does a lot to sell a game, you know, when done well. I talked about how I think this recent Kirby demo doesn't show the game as good as it can. But there are so many games these days and so many games are expensive that if you're trying to decide where to spend your money, yes, you can listen to podcasts. There's a multitude of ways you can get information about games. But being able to spend a little bit of time with it and be like, wow, Ghost of Tsushima's combat is awesome. I'm going to go buy that game. I'd hope that that leads to attach rate for folks picking up games. I'm excited for it. It is interesting. I do, like you, uh, recall those. Did you hear that? Jeff just said he likes me. Everybody heard it. He said it. That was a complete thought. He said, I do like you. A clear comma there. I do like you, period. Thank you, Jeff. That means a lot. Wearing your old shirt, that means a lot to me. (laughs) I do smell like you because we're wearing the same shirt. Uh, um, uh, Like you, I do recall the days, uh, those early days of Xbox Live Arcade where every single game was required to have a demo and it was pretty rad. It was pretty rad to be able to just download demo after demo and try out games and see what you like. And, uh, and, and that went away relatively soon. But uh, I think the, the one thing, I, I, so I'm saying that I'm on your page as far as thinking this is a, a pretty nifty idea. It is tied to the PlayStation Plus premium level, which is the highest tier of PlayStation Plus. So that's a, a bit of a bummer. So it's like, well, you get to try games for free except it's not free except it's not free at all um but the weird part of the story that you left out is that evidently this is a a report so this is not there's no kind of official word this isn't isn't a playstation blog post about exactly it's kind of leaked information ahead of the full reveal yeah but according to this report uh the (laughs) developers weren't officially informed of this it was just a update in the EULA, basically, on Sony's developer portal, which seems like a weird way to impose this on developers. And I'm so curious if this is going to cause irritation or frustration or difficulty with a bunch of uh, third-party developers that are like, oh, we didn't have a demo built into our... Or roadmap, you know? Will it be a full game download that somehow they then hack a timer into, right? Right. It's like, here's the demo. You can play for three hours, (laughs) you know, whatever it is. Yeah. So uh, like you said, uh, developers given three months of post-release on the PlayStation Store to provide a timed trial for PlayStation Plus premium subscribers. 
and it must remain available to users for a year. And it says, uh, should a studio wish to create a custom demo for a tier, Sony is open to that option, but such demos will need to be approved on a case-by-case basis. So, Anthony, what's your take on this? Do you think this is going to cause more trouble than it's worth? Or do you think this is a net win for for gamers who want to subscribe at that tier? I don't know. It's kind of weird because... For us, at least, I know you guys say, you know, you like demos, but I think, you know, in in what we do, uh, if we're going to try a game, there are ways to try games. And so, I, yeah, I, I guess I feel like I'm somewhat out of touch in terms of who really likes demos anymore. I do. Um, this guy right here. Okay. Right here. Me. I wish but, I wish Sifu had a demo. I wish a lot of games had have demos. I think they could go a long way and... and and, and, you know, we, we, but selling, but it was, if you played the seafood demo, would you have then said, I want to play the game or then said, ah, this isn't for me. I don't know. I still haven't played the game. So, okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> he's, waiting I, demo. I, I, he's waiting for the demo. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many people are out there. I think from the perspective of the developer and if it does cause, you know, trouble because we already are dealing with situations of crunch and trying to get to a healthier workplace. I I don't really want to see that. Uh, I know that there's already discussions that happen as far as E3 demos when those, when E3 was a thing and E3 demos were a thing and you, you know, they would, these reports would come out that you had to work on for six months, just on a demo that wasn't even a part of the game. It was its own thing. So Hopefully there's a kind of elegant way that they can just incorporate a demo into what they're already doing, but it seems like that would still present a challenge. Um, another like, another really interesting wrinkle here is that this new requirement is not retroactive, so it doesn't mean every game on the PlayStation Store is going to have a demo magically overnight. It just means new releases. And it also does not apply to VR titles, which okay. is interesting. I don't know why that would be. But it's the case. Yeah, I, to, to me, I feel like the evolution of the demo is what Game Pass offers. You know, the mm. evolution of the demo is you can play the game. It's available. Try it. it. There's no harm, no foul in trying it. And I think that leads to more people playing. I would be. Yeah, I would kind of be surprised if the introduction of all of these demos suddenly led to people saying, oh, you know what? I am because I feel like everybody's very well informed. They watch streams. They do this. They do that feel like you have a good sense of whether or not you'll like a game. Well, That's a I think- really excellent point about Game Pass, though, because, I mean, here is uh, PlayStation Plus Premium trying to compete in some way. I mean, we've, we've talked at length on the show about how these services are kind of not really parallel. They're not really analogous to one another. They're, you know, Sony seems to be doing something a little different, maybe a little closer to what Nintendo's doing. Yeah. And Microsoft's kind of doing its own thing. but Still, if you're asking for basically the same kind of money a month, then I'm imagining a lot of gamers are weighing those options in their head. And if you're looking at one where it's like, hey, for this for this monthly fee, you get game demos that you can then go buy the game. And the other is for this monthly fee, you get this smorgasbord of just all full games. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seems less less cool when you phrase it that way. Yeah, it, to, to me... I think that there are maybe a handful of games where I would say, okay, yeah, I'd, I'd sample that and see if I like it. But 
In most cases, yeah, I I feel like I have a good sense of whether or not I would enjoy a game to begin with and and being able to sample it and confirm it usually will confirm like it's like a confirmation bias type of thing where yeah. oh yeah i love this um but I, i'm sure there are a lot of people out there that are excited about demos and so i don't want to yuck there you I, know. Think it's a, I think it's cool for sure for that you get to try a game before you before you buy a game uh, i do wonder if there will be some games that won't be able to come out on playstation at yeah. launch I, I mean, it's weird because well, that's right, where, the, that's where I wonder if it's if it's all developers or just Sony. It says it's some developers, so I feel like maybe it's just internal developer. I don't know if they walk over to um, CD Projekt Red and say and require it from them again because we're talking about a rumor of a leak and of a thing that's sure. very much. It, it, but, it may be still in flux, but but if you're a PlayStation Plus premium subscriber, are you really not gonna play God of War Ragnarok? Do you really need to play a demo? Like, what's gonna convince you? Know, yeah, I feel like you're in that, and and it's it will be an interesting thing because what if Sony says, hey, we you know we convinced this company to make a demo, and then Microsoft says, well, we have the whole game over here on Game Pass. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And I think it, it's an interesting thing. The $34 price point is such an A, odd number. And B, it, 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 kind of, it kind of means, well, okay, so these smaller indie developers that maybe don't have the budget to devote to that are excluded because their games are probably going to be priced lower as well. So there's kind of, that's kind of a cool cut out, you know, carve out for them to not have to worry about it. But also, I feel like those are the games that would benefit most from a demo, yeah. you know? Because you're Those right, games nobody's we... going to be like, hmm, do I want that God of War Ragnarok? You know, it's, it, 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 it is a little weird. Yeah, I was going to say, the demos, like uh, Tunic, like I really liked a bunch of the Xbox demos. And, and Steam, you know, Jeff, we've had whole episodes of this show talking about the Steam Summer Demo Fest or whatever they you're call right. it. You're right, you're right. It is a lot of indies, usually, in littler games. Been I've come away with a lot of games on my um, wish list that I ended up purchasing, and then some came to Game Pass I didn't need to purchase. Um, I, I wonder, Anthony, I think you made an interesting point, too. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think you hinted at this idea also, and I hadn't thought of it. It's the, I guess, the other side of the, there are so many games coin, where I wonder for how many folks, a am making up a number here, a three-hour demo of a game is enough of that game because there's so Just many other games. That itch. Yeah. 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 And you you don't buy it because you're like, I played it. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Three hours. You're well, right. That's all most people play anyway. <laughs> you know, I think like there are a- plenty of games like I, it depends on what they offer. But there, you know, if it's one of those things like we're saying where the developers are just saying, OK, well, we'll just turn on a timer and we'll give them three hours. And then the guy plays Sifu and it is a master and gets like three quarters of the way through the game in three hours. And it's like, well, I don't really want to pay full price now. Um, yeah, I'm curious uh, how it'll all work out. It it doesn't really seem like it adds value to PlayStation Plus Premium to me, but I, I know that there will be people where they will say, "Yeah, I love demos, and I'm very excited about them." Yeah. Just, I, I guess they'd have to more uh, carefully and clearly outline what the plan is and what it's going to offer. Well, for how yes. soon this is to launching, I think they need to do that for the whole thing. <laughs> we don't yeah, even know yeah, the games absolutely. on it yet, and it's apparently coming very soon. So, well, I think I think the games that we know are the are the games 
there's like seven of them or something but yeah we know that there's a there's been a report on some of the retro games it's like do you like worms you like the worms franchise you'll have several worms retro games to play yeah <laughs> i, I do like that franchise people people <laughs> love that franchise but uh, i think tekken 2 is on there as well yeah there's like leaks of like old games showing up on the back end of the of the store yeah. um yeah but again, it, it, I don't know. I don't know when we get the full press release with all of the list of games. Like this to me feels like a nice extra bullet point to have on that most expensive tier when they're kind of framing it out and you're like, oh, look at all this stuff it offers. But I, I think the biggest question mark is to devs and, and what it does and what it creates. And if it's a impediment uh, and a headache more than anything else, I think you could see some pushback. Well, we will see. And I think a lot will will be revealed when... It's officially announced by Sony. Um, you guys have l- left me some really interesting stories of the week, and I am very torn. But I, I kind of feel like you know, there's some weeks where I'm most weeks, I'll be honest, where my story of the week is what I love the most and what, what I want to talk about is my story of the week. Uh, but then there's other weeks where I feel like, well, I kind of got to bring up the biggest story of the week. And I feel like the biggest story this week is... Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has been confirmed. It's been long rumored. A lot of folks kind of knew Infinity Ward's next iteration of the Call of Duty franchise was going to be Modern Warfare 2. And here we are with a confirmation, a logo. Sick logo, guys. If you yeah. have fans of logos. I am um, a fan of logos. I'm not yeah. going to lie. I am a big fan of logos. What do you think I'm of this logo? I also just discovered Migos. I hey, I was three feet from Quavo. Uh, two okay, days, two days ago, so I know Migos. I, I was hanging out with Quavo, um, but and I'm not joking. That was tr- that's a true story. Uh, so, what do you think of the logo, Christian? Call of Duty I don't Modern need to comment on this logo or this game. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're not going to talk about the story? Correct. Sorry. Well, Anthony, uh, you're the one who I was most interested to hear about it anyway, because. Uh, you are, you know, a shooter fan. I think uh, you'll be probably mm-hmm. playing this game. Um, yeah. Weird that, you know, it's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, which is a sequel to the 2019 Modern Warfare, not a remake of 2009's Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Yes. Which is the we're same doing, we're doing this title. again. We're doing this again, again. Yes. Um, yes. We couldn't have just put a subtitle and then like, you know, I don't know, Under Siege or something. Yeah. Modern Warfare 2, Electric Boogaloo. I'll take anything. Still um, modern after all these yeah. years. It's weird for a lot of reasons. I think the number one reason is all those rumors and reports that this is the last one before they kind of do this dramatic shift in development cadence and the cycles and maybe we don't get one every year. Um so, yeah, there's that element hanging over it. It's also it feels like Call of Duty obviously has a lot of uh, lost interest just because people weren't a big fan of the last few games. I think Modern Warfare um, was pretty popular, but it's just it seems like just in, in general, the franchise is on a downward trend. So, I yeah, I I don't really know how to feel about it. I'm most likely going to play it just to say I've played it, but. I think what they're doing with with the just modern warfare 2 is very silly and it it makes no sense but 
Well, nobody remembers as far back as 2009. So no. how could anyone remember that far in the past? So I, it makes sense to me, you know. Um, well, the no worst, one remembers the worst anything. Thing is, the worst thing they do is that they're like Modern Warfare, but they're like, okay, it's Modern Warfare. It's just a different one. And they're like, oh, also Captain Price is in it. And you're like, wait. Is this is this modern warfare? And they're like, no, 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 it's not. And then at the end of modern warfare, spoilers, they're like, hey, here's Soap, the main character of modern warfare. And you're like, wait, so is modern warfare one technically modern warfare point five? And so now modern warfare two is basically just going to be a remake of modern warfare one, two thousand nine. Like, if I see Ghost, if you show me Ghost, the guy with the mask that everyone knows, I'm you know. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah. It's a, uh, it's confusing, but I suppose it doesn't really matter that much. Uh, they're, they're saying, you know, it's the most advanced experience in franchise history, uh, built from the ground up, uh, groundbreaking innovations, uh, lots of quotes. Uh, what do you expect from the game, Anthony? Do you, do you, do you think this is going to be a a departure? I mean, it's Infinity Ward again, right? It, it's yeah. Um, I think you know they tend to uh, push the envelope, or at least they have in the past. Um, do you expect it to have features or uh, any kind of revamp that fundamentally pushes the franchise into new places? Probably not. Yeah. Um, I mean, they really haven't. I I thought the first Modern Warfare, the or Modern Warfare again, um, was <laughs> fine. Uh, it had like some interesting. There was the like where you're raiding the the building and you're uh, using the night vision. I thought that was a interesting kind of way to get away from the more bombastic elements of Call of Duty and. I think at the end of the day, it was still somewhat familiar and there's, it still hit a lot of the same notes. It looked nice. Um, I think Vanguard and black ops four, I think four or five, whatever those ones, they also looked nice. So I'm, yeah, I I feel like if they're going to do this as the last one and then kind of take stock of what they have, I don't expect too much in the way of, significant innovation i feel like all that innovation will be going towards the Mm. think tanks of how do we save call of duty or how do we rejuvenate call of duty under xbox yeah yeah i i think that probably is is an accurate assessment of the situation in the sense that that this will be a summation and the next thing will be a, a new step forward if in fact that's the way to go but the other way to interpret it is, well, if this one is not going is going to be the last one for a couple of years, then it's got to have legs that are going to sustain for a couple yeah. of years, and maybe there are hooks in it, or at least monetization in it. Yeah, that you know, some sort of subscription is a possibility, or some sort of other way that the game uh, can sustain for two or three years, if if that's what they intend to do. Yeah, the the I think the expectation is that it's going to incorporate Warzone two, and then that'll just kind of be the, yeah. their thing for the time being. Um, right. But we've heard some things about Warzone two, like not incorporating your microtransactions or the things you've purchased from Warzone one. Which I don't know. There, this uh, the second they start talking about Warzone two, I think they're just going to keep you know digging deeper and deeper uh, i know a lot of people will probably play it it'll be very exciting it'll be free so it'll be able to compete but 
for as much as Warzone 1 was sort of this big shift in terms of Battle Royale games, everything they had done since then, I think, has really, you know, pushed people away. People are now playing Fortnite's no build mode and people are playing Apex Legends again and and not really playing Warzone as much as they were because they re they changed the map or they changed, you know, specific things to meet the new game. So at the very least, with going back to Modern Warfare, the franchise, the hope is Warzone will get back to what people really liked about Warzone originally. Mm-hmm. But yeah, all their choices to kind of be that stopgap might result in stuff like you're talking about, where they're microtransactioning everything and mm-hmm. there's loot boxes and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll see. But we will I think see. that will be the big thing that pushes the pushes the franchise forward towards the next game well yes i I will say this uh shareholders overwhelmingly approved microsoft's acquisition activision shareholders overwhelmed 98 percent and then 98 percent of the vote (laughs) what is it berkshire hathaway uh took a big stake in activision recently as well as the market wasn't seeming to reflect the acquisition happening whereas whatever the 95 dollars share price um, that Microsoft was, was has offered, um, Activision was still trading well below that. Um, and the speculation there is the idea that maybe DOJ will reject this or block this. Because you think if it's a surefire thing that it's going to go through and it's trading at 73 and you know by the end of the year it's going to go to 95, that's some sure money and people weren't doing it. But then it seems like Buffett's firm did it <laughs> and took a, took a fairly large stake. So it, it does seem, I would assume... Um, it seems like this thing is going to go through. And then to me, Anthony, you kind of hinted at it. That to me is the next big interesting thing for Activision is what what does that refresh? You know, are they going to get Steph Curry to do the Subway refresh rebrand uh, all, all new commercials for what Activision is and how things change? Because it it looks like that thing's going forward. Well, I'm I'm very much looking forward to 2025's rebooted Call of Duty game entitled Modern warfare. Modern warfare. It's It'll going be. to be called historical warfare what, by then, well, okay. but it will just be modern let me just, warfare. Let me just tell you on this Star Trek crossover called Modern Warfare. There you go. Modern Warfare. Yep. Boom. It's just, it's a hairstyling sim. So they can use the same name. They can say it right. But then when people are like, wait, is this modern warfare? And they're like, yeah, exactly. Like, wait, what are you saying? Are you Michael saying. Michael Dorn is. Wait. Are you saying warfare or are you saying warfare? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Does Worf even does Worf even have? Yeah, Worf has hair. Okay, I, I thought maybe Worf just it was on the side. How dare you? Classic. How dare you? Just because the man has a pronounced forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Klingons have five heads. It's it doesn't mean they don't have very stylish hairdos. Christian, make the game. Make the game. <laughs> I am I am curious about this whole the most advanced experience in franchise history. I know that's just marketing speak, but it, it, it the question is raised: like, it, are these games being built for new gen hardware now? Are we are we into finally? Because I feel like a a franchise as big as this is going to come out on everything, including yeah. you know last gen. But are we going to see real? you know, the, the new gen versions really take advantage of what these, the stuff can do at this point. Cause I think it will be coming out alongside stuff that does, you know, we got word this week that, or at least rumor from friend of the show, Jeff Grubb, that, uh, 
Jedi Fallen Order 2, or whatever it's going to be called, uh, will only be a new gen title. Uh, so I think, and, and I think, you know, as Unreal Engine 5 is now out and we're going to see these games do use Unreal Engine 5, in the next, you know, year, uh, six months to a year, we're still going to start seeing more games that are just new gen only. And I think they're going to start actually showing us what these boxes that we've had in our houses for two years uh, can actually do. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how big multi-platform releases like that reflect that. So, all right. Well, that's the news. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's fit to print. I do need to thank our sponsor, which is Hello Fresh. Truly one of my favorite sponsors. Why? Because I use it. I subscribe. I'm a paying subscriber to HelloFresh, have been for many, many years. And that is because HelloFresh has removed the pain points from the experience of cooking. I don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. More kinds of recipes, more variety in my in my menu. I get to cook for my family, give them home-cooked meals. It gives me such joy. Because HelloFresh delivers pre-portioned ingredients right to my door. I don't have to go to the store. I don't have to buy a bunch of stuff that I'm only going to use one time, and then it's just going to go bad in my refrigerator over time because I only used it that one time. Pre-portioned. And that includes farm-fresh produce that arrives within a week. So I've got that convenience without having to skimp on the quality. And I can customize my dishes now with HelloFresh as well. It's so awesome. You get on that app, you order through the app. I love doing it. I pick out the meals ahead of time. You can easily change your delivery day, your food preferences, the plan size if you want to have more food or less food, or even skip a week whenever it's convenient for you, whenever you need to. It's so great. And HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the same quality. And you can save on average of over $65 per month when you order on HelloFresh instead of grocery shopping. That's money back in your pocket. I, I'm telling you, I have done this for years. I am a, a, uh, I'm a subscriber and I truly believe it has added to my life. It has made my life better. It can for yours as well. Go to HelloFresh.com slash DLC16 and use code DLC16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's HelloFresh.com slash DLC16 and use that code DLC16 and you'll get up to 16, 16 free meals and three free gifts. It's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right. Let's talk about the games that we have been playing in a segment we call The Playlist. All right. It's time to talk about the games. That's the only one that does that. It's the only one that loops. And it gets me every time. Every single time. Anthony Tower Mina, you're always playing tons of stuff. Reporting on it over there at GameRant.com. What have you been playing this week? 
Well, we want to dive right into Rogue Legacy 2, or we want to, I mean, I, I mean, I, I I'm certainly a lot excited to talk week. about it. I'm, <laughs> I've been Let's playing talk about it. it. I've been playing it like a madman. It was wild. You know, I bought that game in early access, evidently mm. two years ago, because it was news to me yeah, when I looked yeah. at, on my on my Steam list. It was like, last played 2020. I was like, oh, wow, that's been a while. Uh, and I talked about it on this show at that time when it was first released in early access. I was like, you know, I, I adored the first Rogue Legacy. It was my game of the year, the year it came out. And the early access hit and i was like so i was so excited i jumped in day one and it just it really wasn't a finished game there was just no content there really okay and so i just kind of you know i I played it for six hours or something and then uh it kind of was like you know i need to set this aside and wait until there's more stuff and there were tons of updates and i just ignored every one of them and here we are at 1.0 the official release of rogue legacy 2 so I, i haven't i hadn't touched it in two years but had you played any of the early access stuff of Rogue Legacy I had not, no. I, I, what happened to you is what, why I don't play early access games. I think, I mean, there's a variety of reasons, but yeah, it's, uh, I know that I'm going to enjoy it or like same thing with betas or trials or, or demos, um, you know, uh, playing Elden Ring and they're saying, you want to play Elden Ring? Like, well, no, I want to play real Elden Ring. I'm going to play Elden Ring. So yes, I'm, I was, definitely going to play rogue legacy too. like you. I really, really enjoyed the first one. Um, and so when it finally entered 1.0, I was very excited to jump in and it is, it's an exceptional game. It is, it is, it is that game still, but it is so much better in every way. I think, I think they're, uh, they're marketing. I read their uh, marketing line from them that I thought was so, so perfect. It said, imagine rogue legacy mixed with a sequel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's not, you're not wrong. You know, it's, it's one of those things where every, every detail that you do, you could tell to somebody who played the first one, they would go, Oh yeah, that was in the first game. And you say, yeah, but it's, there's more. Yeah. Uh, I think the answer is there's more or it's better or it's more refined or it's modernized or it's stole from these other games from, the movement feels a little more fluid to the upgrading systems, which is like a fun little castle where you, you know, put your gold into different things instead of the manor. Um, and the, I've heard there, there are perma unlocks that are yes. different. Like that's the big change that I, I'm, I'm waiting to play this for um, a steam deck, which should be here soon. Um, but I've heard that, to me, that's very enticing, and that changes the game. Maybe it doesn't. I'm curious your all take. Is that a fundamental change, or is it just I mean, kind it of... it just makes it more like a Metroidvania, basically. Yeah. So you find the Go thing... Go on. <laughs> you, you know, you find, you find the thing that lets you dash in the air. But if you don't find that thing, you need to find that thing. At some point in the run, you need to find that thing, or else you can't progress. Interesting. Um, yeah, there are areas locked behind certain abilities to do things. And you have to find those ability. You'll you'll find the area much earlier than you find the thing, and it'll be like you need the echo boots to get past here. Uh, and if you find the echo boots once, all your characters forever, yeah. your legacy continues to have them. So I love yes, that. it is it is perma unlocks. Um, and I think Christian, I, you know, I don't want to jinx anything here because I don't remember you really loving the first one. The first I think one it was honestly the art style and the movement just felt a little 
eh for me coming off of whatever I was coming off at the time. Um, okay. I think you're going to love this one. I do. I think there's much more emphasis on platforming in the style that you really like, you know, with um, um, Celeste and Dead yes, Cells. Yes, and yes. Like, it, 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 knowing how much you love those two games, I think yeah. this one is much closer to those games than the first one was. I mean, it had platforming stuff, but now there's this um, spin kick thing uh, where you can, you know, it's almost like um, um, Ori the way you can attack and it'll let you keep jumping. Yeah. And there is some intense platforming in rogue legacy Two. uh, getting the echo boots, which I just mentioned, uh, something I just recently did. And the process of getting those, I w- had sweaty palms, sweaty palms. Cause you get the, there's this new feature in uh, rogue, Le- rogue legacy Two where you'll find these relics and they like suck you into another dimension, which is like a, a self-contained series of challenges. And if you complete the challenges, you get, you earn the relic and they are those permanent unlocks, but the challenges can be really crazy. And it's not Hmm. just one screen of challenge or stage of challenges. It's like a multi-stage progression that basically teaches you new, a new skill set. but it is, I mean, it is full on Celeste or Ori or any of those like intense, platforming style do it over yeah. and over again are they randomized or do you think when i get the to keep using your example the echo boots it'll be because i'm sucked into that portal everybody kind of plays that same progression yes, to it, get is, them? it is the same okay. so That's exciting. without like giving stuff. too much away but like when you enter the area where you need the echo boots it's it's the same for everybody the the procedural generation doesn't start until you get the echo boots and go into the level well, but and, uh, and the way that Rogue Legacy, I, I'm assuming two works because one worked this way, is that n- the levels themselves aren't actually procedurally generated. Like in in like the the setting of the levels isn't procedurally generated. It is individual stages that have been crafted by the designers, but the order of which you find in which place is proge- procedurally generated. So yeah. the layout of the level is unpredictable although you can upgrade things and make them static if you purchase that but um so it'll always feel fresh and different but it's not that the act the, you know the the form it's not like a uh, diablo where the formation of the actual level is is randomized yeah. it's it's kind of like if you played the first one you know you knew this boss was down so I just needed to go down and okay, I can't go down any further. I go right and then down. It's kind of like that. It has that sense. Well, of- even, but, but even more than that, it's the, it, when you walk to a new room, that room, you, you may have seen 15 times before, like the yeah. way that room works. If that room is a puzzle or a specific thing, it's like, it's like jigsaw puzzle pieces that are placed into different puzzles every time it's, but the piece is still the same. It's just that where it's located in the puzzle is different, you know? It's more like a like Lego piece or something. You know, it's a, it's a modular rather than purely procedurally generated. Yeah, got but it. You That's did exciting. talk about the art and, you know, not being a fan. I think the art is much better in this one. There's the biomes. I think there's six. It's um, gorgeous. There are, I think there are six bosses. Um, it it has the same type of feel of like you must defeat these number of bosses and then you get the big boss. Yeah. Um, but the biomes feel both 
they have a different look to them, but they also have a different flavor flavor in terms of what you're doing. Like Jeff was talking about, the Echo Boots section is very different from the starting section in terms of there's a lot more Celeste-esque platforming. And then there's like a snow level and it has a little bit more of its own flavor. So it doesn't just feel like doing the same thing in different visual palettes. It's These are kind of different tones similar to Ori where yeah. you go into the that area and that area has its own vibe. And the other place I think it's really blown out the variety at least from the first game. You know, the the hook with Rogue Legacy was that every time you die and it's a roguelike so you're going to die over and over and over again. You go in, you collect as much gold as you can and try to get as far as you can, die and then you can spend that gold uh, on various upgrades that carry over through your legacy. But your legacy is the, the real hook of the game is that you become you spawn as a new member of your clan, your your heritage that has these various traits. So every time you start the game, you're slightly different. You have some good traits that get you some things and some per- perhaps bizarre weird traits like uh, you're colorblind, and so the game is literally black and white throughout the whole thing. Or uh, there's one that's called Vertigo, which is particularly annoying, where it literally flips the screen upside down. Uh, there's there's tons of them. Um, so, but every time you start the game, it's slightly different. And there's also lots of really good traits. But the way that they have blown out the second iteration in this franchise is in the number of classes that you can also unlock and choose uh, because as you start your, you know, as you die and start a new, uh, a new run, you'll get to choose from one of three randomly generated legacy characters, uh, you know, heritage characters. Uh, and, and, but the, the, I don't know about you, Anthony, but I love the variety in the, the classes, they really behave very differently. They have uh, lots of really cool. I mean, there's like a, a chef class. Yeah. I and, actually really, really like the chef. It's cool. The chef's like all damage over time stuff. And yeah. And the, you can, I don't know if you noticed, but you can actually use, so he hits with a pan and you can actually hit projectiles back with the pan. Yeah. It's a frying um, pan, but there's like a weird delay with the pan attack. It's yeah. different than any other of the classes. So like the classes are all individually very different from one another and you also level them up so the more you play a class the more experience points you get for that class and you level them up individually too so there's just that's in addition to all the myriad unlocks in your castle and all the perks that you're finding in the level so there's just like tons and tons of stuff to do yeah I, I'm having a blast. I, w- I would it. say I would say there's there may be a little too much. Um, oh, interesting. It, it, you don't get that sense that like oh, there's just so many things to spend my coins on. Um, you know, like wow, this is because I what I liked a lot about Rogue Legacy was the goal. I like Rogue likes where there's a goal, even if I'm not going to beat a boss or do this or do that. I have a goal mm. uh, and. And usually that goal is, okay, well, I see this thing. I want to buy it. So I need to get enough coins for that thing or this right. or that. And I always ended up, you know, going after those things. But then you you unlock a lot of things to spend gold on. Um, I don't know if you met the pizza lady. Well, um, I haven't met the pizza lady yet. Okay. So it, it's a it's a familiar thing for Rogue Legacy, but it's she is expansive. Um, 
but it, it's a, there's so many things, you know, there's yeah. so many things well, to spend your coins on, like there's, armor and there's this three, and uh, there's three different, um, uh, um, vendors, no, uh, currencies. There's like, oh, yeah, yeah, there's like, co- that's, there's that's coins, also, but there's well, also yeah. platinum and 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 uh, blood, and like, there's all these, there's just like it, everything is more, and it, exactly what Anthony said at the beginning, it's like, yes, Rogue Legacy, but what if 10 times more? Uh, and I'm into it. I, I don't know. But you, yeah, you're no, saying I, it's too I, much. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to say that I don't like it. It just it, – it felt – as I got further and further, it felt like, okay, I got 12,000 or 1,200 gold. What do I spend it on? I was like, well, there's just so many things I want to spend it on that yeah. I just – like I – I want to complete the game, but I also want to go in with like a full kit and like feel confident. I'm not, I'm not very, you know, I'm not very good against this boss or that boss. So I feel like I need to invest in health or uh, strength. So I do more damage, but also it'd be nice to, you know, you permanently unlock armor or um, relics. So relics are like a new thing, I believe where you find them in the, in the world and you can put those on and, and there's a um, cost resolve, which is yes, another new kind of currency. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, the crazy thing will be like, Oh, I want to upgrade my health. Oh, cool. There's like 10 tiers of health upgrade. I'll, I'll spend money. And then you unlock a new thing. And it's like, here's health upgrades. I'm like, what? Another, yep. another 10 tiers of health. upgrade. It's crazy. It's and then crazy. there's a vendor that you spend souls on who then will unlock more tiers of the health <laughs> tiers. And it's, yeah, yeah. I, I got to that point playing the other day and I was, you know, I was kind of in a groove and then it was really when I met the pizza lady, I was like, I'm just, I don't, I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. Just I'm like so real overwhelmed. Life. Just like really, when you meet the pizza lady, you're like, oh, what have I done I'm with my so life? I'm so overwhelmed, but it, it is really a great game. Uh, it feels the bosses have a good sense of pattern mem- memorization, and it feels really satisfying to, you know, dodge this attack and, you know, know this attack is coming, position yourself perfectly, then get in your hits. Um, having different classes makes you play differently. Some are faster, some are slower, some are more valuable just being on the ground, some are more viable in the air. Um, it was it it's a really a great game. I think Steam Deck is probably gonna be a perfect uh platform for it. Well, I that's I'm sure that's exactly the point you are most curious about, Christian. And I'm here to tell you, as somebody who played the first Rogue Legacy so much that I literally bought a laptop computer specifically for that game and plugged a, a USB Xbox 360 controller into it to take on a flight to Australia. <laughs> and I literally played whatever the 17 hours it takes to get to Australia, whatever it is, I played the entire flight with that <laughs> la- with that laptop computer on my, on my tray. You know, my, <laughs> what do they call it? Your... Your, uh, <laughs> your tray table tray table thank you uh <laughs> anyway now i'm doing that as i'm flying to atlanta every weekend to to work for fcf uh, fan control football uh i am using my steam deck and i'm here to tell you it is a vastly exp- <laughs> improved experience it is uh th- what i always wanted like the the that game is so perfect on it. It looks gorgeous. It's, a, it's so much better looking than the first Rogue Legacy. Plays absolutely stellar on the Steam Deck. It's like, oh, this is 
This is what I wanted back in 2017 or whatever it was when the first one came out. It's great. Is, is this, like you mentioned, you, you know, brought a laptop. I, I do like thinking the person next to you on the flight is like, oh man, this, this person's really here to get down to business. They're not going to, oh, never mind. They are playing a game. Um, I mean, that game was at the tippy top of your list yeah. um, for a long time. Do you think because, you know, you experienced this early access before, or maybe there are just too many other good games, or is this game quickly climbing, you know, is it challenging, I would guess, Horizon right now? Have you kind of found it Well, the good news is your discussion already? The good news is I can't play Horizon on my Steam Deck, right? So I'm not playing Horizon. There's no... Well, no, I just meant like end of year mental oh, I kind see. of ranking and thinking of games right Well, now. I'll tell you what, what has happened that is, uh, I think, pretty telling if you've been listening to this show for the last few weeks is I haven't played Vampire Survivors since this was installed on my Steam Deck uh, because it's that compuls- compulsive, got to play another one. Oh, got to play another one. Oh, my gosh. Look at the options of the next three guys in my legacy that I can open up. I got to, I got to play one more round, one more round. Um, so I am, I am fully in love with this game again. And it's, it's wild, you know, I guess enough time passed since I played it in 2020, uh, that I still feels like a fresh experience. Uh, but also it is, uh, it, it is amazing how much the game has progressed since then. I didn't just, it was just so little content when it came out, when it first came in early access. And that's the point, right? That's the point of early access, but it, it really was so much of that castle upgrades where it's just like not in the, not in the game yet, not in the game yet, not in the game yet. And it's just like, Oh, well, why am I doing this? But the good news is Anthony, when I, when I turned it on and loaded it up for the first time for 1.0 is like, you have 7,000 gold to spend. I was like, Ooh, I'm buying everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It was awesome. I just had a whole, I'd be curious how many people waiting. would jump into it because uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Rogue Legacy sort of started that or was early in that trend of lots of games, Dead Cells. And those. yes, um, so I'm curious how many people will jump into Rogue Legacy, too, and be like, well, this is I didn't play the first one because I played, De- you know, my first game was Dead Cells or my first game was this game and look at right. Rogue Legacy and go because it is there's so many details from rogue legacy one and rogue legacy two but that have been refined based on feedback or seeing what other games are doing it is just a really really good version of those but it doesn't necessarily do anything terribly different um so i'd be curious to know how many people are because you and i we played the first one or or the three of us we played the first one so we know what we're getting but i'm curious how many people will hear you rave about it and then go oh well I guess that's a, that's just interesting. I mean, if if you're a huge fan of Dead Cells and that's the that's the you know roguelite kind of platformer that got you into these, this may feel like a step back. I don't think I don't know. I think the the number of different classes is really yeah. uh, things sets it apart. And and I do think the thing that hooked me in the game the first time I played the first one, which is oh, every time I start it really is a different experience because of these traits that the characters have. I, I do, I do think that's a fundamental differentiator for this franchise. That, that is really special to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I just was curious how other, I'm curious how other people are going to feel about it because for me, yeah, when I started to play it, it was like, Oh yeah, wait, 
Was this in the first game? And I had to look up the first game and I was like, Oh, it was in the first game. Oh yeah. Yeah. This was in the game. And, and the D the details are obviously more improved, but it is very much a two more so than like a revamp. Rogue legacy mixed with a sequel. That's what, what they call it. It's, it's working for me. I'm, I'm, I'm really loving it, but yeah, I'd love to hear folks tell us, you can uh, comment on this on the Patreon or uh, in the discord or on the subreddit. We love uh, incorporating that. Uh, in our Wednesday show, the paid DLC show, we're getting more uh, feedback involved in that show as well. So let us know. Uh, but Anthony, what else is on your playlist? I played Nintendo Switch Sports hmm. uh, with a leg strap where appropriate. Okay. Um, uh, hopefully where appropriate is the leg. <laughs> uh, well, you know, <laughs> you can only use it know for where is inappropriate. <laughs> you know you can I'm only saying? use it for soccer is what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, okay. But... Okay. All right. You know, your minds. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I really like, obviously, everybody, their mother, their grandmother, their dog loved Wii Sports. And so I think if you liked Wii Sports and you own a Switch, you'll enjoy Switch Sports. Um, it's a it's a more refined version of that experience with some new sports like soccer, um, badminton. Uh, well, what, what is that? <laughs> Thank you. Um, Chambra, I think is what it's called, uh, which was sort of, I think, in the f- in maybe Wii Sports Resorts, which is like the you're dueling with swords, but like foam swords. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is bowling. There is tennis. Oh, volleyball is the other one. Um, that's new. Well, and the big question for me is, you know, theoretically, the. The controllers on the switch, the, the Joy-Cons aren't as tracked as the old Wii remote was, you know, yeah. even though we're years it later, it's I don't really tech. notice too much. No, like bowling, it, y- you can put a little hook on your, on your, your, your ball. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't feel like I'm less precise or anything like that. I think that they mechanically took into account that it isn't going to be as precise as a Wiimote, but I still, I still felt like I was you know, doing the the volleyball things of like the set spike mm. uh, bump, oh, yeah. whatever the terms are. Sorry, volleyball people. Um, I think you got it right, actually. But they they give you enough to do. You know, when when Wii Sports was around, like tennis was just okay. Well, I just swing it this way or that way. But badminton has like the you can do like a drop shot, and you can really kind of precisely hit the uh, the shuttle thing. Um, into the prop, you know, the appropriate place that you want to hit it. So I never really felt um, that it wasn't wasn't doing what I wanted it to do, despite the fact that it doesn't have that precision of um, the sensor on the TV. Because you yeah. do point it at the TV, you kind of do calibrate it before you start. Mm. Um, but I, I'm a I'm a big soccer fan. I play soccer to this day. I've been playing it all my life. So soccer is my favorite of the options in there it's kind of like a mix between rocket league and uh if you remember the fall guys soccer experience uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's very fun um but i think all of the games are, are good fun and you can play them online now with friends and and do all that stuff the first day it was a little wonky in terms of connectivity but it's gotten a lot better since then and i've en- i've enjoyed it a lot i think if you own a switch and you were a fan of Wii sports, I think you'll be a fan of this. All right. Nintendo switch sports. It's wild to me to think that 
the second ever episode of the Totally Rad Show in 2007. We played Ooh. Wii Sports with my mom. <laughs> so, you, know. you got to get your mom back out for some Switch Sports thing. I guess. You, can't, you know, you can't, your, your rogue legacy needs to continue, Jeff. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I guess. Uh, what else have you been playing, Anthony? Um, well, uh, I played the Bug Snacks DLC. If you want mm-hmm. to talk about some bugs, it's the Isle of Big Snacks. Well, now it's on Game Pass, so I guess we can all play Bug Snacks. It's true. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Bug Snacks. I, it has like a special place in my heart because it was the first game I played with my kid, not like with him playing, but him watching. And he enjoyed it. You know, he was invested in seeing the different bug snacks because, you know, strawberry with legs and the right. it's a burger and the, the you know, the legs are French fries. It's um, no teacup ride. It's no teacup ride, but he he loved bug snacks when we we did everything we could we got the platinum trophy and he was still saying can we play bug snacks and i was like well i don't really want to play any more bug snacks we did everything you could do daddy um, wants to play elden ring exactly but uh so this one just it, it adds a new island it's called uh oh no it escapes me uh, the isle of big snacks no 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 the oh, island the has name a name the expansion that's oh, the name of the dlc it. I apologize for not, but yeah, there's new bug snacks. There's big bug snacks as well. Um, there's like a new, um, it's called, it's like a spice that you essentially throw at some of the, the bug snacks to make them smaller. And, and the, the puzzle big of bug snacks are called bug meals actually. Indeed, so we should, indeed. yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I found it to be just more bug snacks and that was all I really was looking for. Some of that puzzle element. How do you catch these things? Um, there's some clever bug snacks designs. There's a, a lobster that's like made out of, uh, like pasta shells, uh, um, oh, like, like rigatoni shells, kind of, <laughs> um, there's a, uh, I think it's called a pilot. It's like a spider with that's the, its body is a pie, but like in a plastic covering, like a plastic, like you snap it around the edges and it has a little tape around it. Uh, there's a spider that's spaghetti and meatballs. There's just some clever ones in there. Um, I think if you enjoyed bug snacks or if you just have never played bug snacks, highly recommend it. If you have kids, it's a fun, you know, game to just have them watch whether they want to play or not. It's very simple. Um, in terms of how you catch them, it's not going to challenge you in any significant ways. And the characters are really fun. You can feed them bug snacks and change their limbs into different uh, foods. And all of those things my kid loved. So I was excited to have DLC um, for this game. And it, yeah, it being on Game Pass, I hope more people give it a try. I am definitely in that Venn diagram you just described of having never played bug snacks and also having kids. So maybe I should try it. but. Uh, having never played it, my my instinct about it is that it is basically this generation's Viva Pinata. A little bit, yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, you'll show it to some people and they go, "Well, wh- what's the game here?" And you're yeah. like, "Well, you're just you're just scanning them and then you catch them and you can just catch a bunch of them." But there are some like puzzles here and there in terms of like, oh, this this bug snack is cold, so the tools that I would normally work won't work. So first I have to get maybe a bug snack that is a fire bug snack, or there's a fire torch nearby and then, you know, cool it out and then catch it. 
Um, there's a little bit of light puzzle solving and, and things like that. Uh, enough to make it dynamic through three quarters, I would say, of the main game. Eventually, you're just doing the same thing. But I, I really, really enjoyed it specifically because I played it with my kid. And it was that game where he was like, can we play bug snacks? And, and we did. Cool. Anything else? Uh, well, I played St- Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Uh, which is Stanley Parable again? Yeah, well, that's my question. I, I love the first you know, when I first played Stanley Parable, but it, is this just the same game, or is, is there new avenues? There is explore? new stuff, but I didn't pick up on what was new sure. because I played it so long ago. Yeah, ten um, years or whatever it's been. Yeah, but it's still I like Bug Snacks, like Rogue Legacy. Like Nintendo Switch Sports. If you play, if you have not played Stanley Parable, I highly recommend you play Stanley Parable. It's a really clever game. It's not, uh, it's not mechanically intense. It's the writing and the, and the way that you interact with this narrator who essentially tells you what Stanley is supposed to do, and then you can do it or not do it, and then it it leads to a lot of crazy things. But there is. Um, there's a section where you just go into a closet or I went into a closet and I just sat in the closet and the narrator talked to me for like 10 minutes <laughs> about like, you know, Stanley did not go in the closet anymore. He is ready to leave. Okay. Stanley is now done. And then you leave it and he goes, okay, Stanley's back on track. And then you go back in and he's like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you know, he'll say things like break the fourth wall and say, Oh, a second player has taken over and is now actually doing what he's supposed to be doing. But the writing in that game is what pushes it forward, and it's super clever in the way that it interacts with what you do. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is kind of what you were talking about with the first Rogue Legacy, where this kind of feels like the first of those games. Now there's a bunch of kind of meta, you're, yes. you're playing the playing of a game game. And I like most of those games, but I felt like this was the real, the first one where it was like, oh, wow this game is aware of literally everything they've they've predicted every behavior i could possibly do Uh, yeah it's essentially like every game afterwards said well we can do stanley parable and then we'll give you a portal gun or we'll give you you know this or that and whereas stanley parable is a lot of just walking around and choosing what you do but there's a ton of endings there's a lot of different ways to interact with the game uh and the the ultra deluxe version um or Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe, I think, is now the way to play. It looks really, really good as well. Uh, I don't remember the first game or the original version looking bad, but this game looks really, really nice. Originally released October 17th, 2013. So, okay. Yeah, not quite 10 years. It seems like it's a nice pairing just broadly of like in an office of like, I'd love to see them do a severance dlc or something <laughs> yeah, I, like well, I, think, I think they actually said severance was drew on stanley parable for inspiration i think i could wow. see that i mean yeah. the settings and again having i my memory of playing stanley parable i could is it a weekend confirmed i don't know what i need to go back and listen to but like i don't remember it as much as i remember the feeling of it as like oh yeah breakthrough groundbreaking like the, the the way that this game is able to like you said jeff anticipate everything um and i do think it's been long enough that people haven't played it yeah. um and i i'd hope that it still withstands that test of you know a lot of other games have kind of done parts of it um since then but uh it's on switch now also right this ultra deluxe version i think yes i believe um, so 
But th- uh, I think the awesome. narration, the interaction with the narrator is not like locked in in a time capsule in terms of the humor. It's it's yeah. that British humor that uh, I think is super timeless because it's not about being overly crass or right. being you know, super referential. It's it's all rooted in what you're doing. So right. it makes sense for for in, playing it today or playing it you know ten years from now. I, I would I would put this game in, in the category of being a classic. So this yeah. is a classic video. It's one of those, I think, put it in the game hall of fame, uh, Stanley Parable. It should be played by everybody game. Yeah. Cool. That's uh, Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. Christian Spicer, what about you? What's on your playlist? So not anything new this week, which feels kind of good to say, uh, as I'm still drowning in hours of video games that I want to be and wish to be playing. Uh, I've played a lot more Gran Turismo 7. Thanks, Paul, uh, for last week. (laughs) Um, But the biggest thing for me for where I am as we're recording this show, and it hasn't arrived yet, was getting my Steam Deck email, the, hey, you can send us money now, we'll send you the device for the thing that you ordered a long time ago. And uh, it was an emotional roller coaster, folks. I uh, I was like, I do I do I do it? Do I wait for version two? You know, uh, you can't, the Windows hacks are still, uh, my games that are on Epic, how do they all run, this, that, and the other. And I really had this, I mean, you know, I, I got it right. I bought it. So like spoiler for the end here of uh, lost of how it all ends. I, I bought it. I saw the symbols on the wall and I bought it. Um, but there was this uh, few hours, like kind of the course of the day from when I got the email in the morning till in the evening when I said that let's do it valve of do I do this or do I do the wheel, the racing wheel mm. as I had been playing a lot of Gran Turismo seven, they were kind of, and I, I was in it in that moment. And I was like, well, where does this money go? Uh, air quote, definitely air quote for best spent <laughs> um, between these two gaming experiences. And I think what ultimately pushed me over, I love handheld gaming. I have always loved handheld gaming. I've talked about it, you know, way back on Weekend Confirmed about moments playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 on my GBA um, you know, flying around the, the country for track and stuff like that. And now with my analog pocket and playing games with on GeForce now and playing games in bed, ultimately what it comes down to for me and where the steam deck doesn't quite solve it, but I think it gets me closer there is I, I want all my games everywhere. And that's what I love so much about cloud gaming is that if you have internet, it hopefully delivers that experience of so many of your games everywhere. And so far, no service really delivers on all of your games everywhere. Um, But the steam deck seems to get pretty close as I was like, well, you know, next year's games maybe won't run that well on it as the hardware continues to get pushed and uh, we get the 40 eighties out or whatever, you know, whatever the next GPU is. But I have this incredible archive of old Steam games that should hopefully run like a breeze on it as I'm revisiting PS3 and playing all these older games and all these indie games and not waiting for them to come out on Switch. I love the idea, and hearing you talk about it, Jeff, of what Valve promises of, you know, pick up and play on your deck. It kind of instantly saves that progress over when you sit back down on your PC. And to me, even maybe above and beyond cloud gaming, uh, I think cloud gaming is a solve for that. 
but it's that idea of all of my games everywhere, whenever and however I want to play them. And that's ultimately what pushed me over to, to take the plunge on the Steam Deck is this idea of, yeah, it's it's my games, you know, this broad library. And not all of them. I know there's still asterisks and caveats, but it's that they got my money. So I should have it in time for maybe Wednesday's show, Jeff. Well, awesome. Uh, and if not, for sure, next week. Well, I think you'll find one of the things I'm most impressed with with it is how Valve has done the messaging around what works and what doesn't on it. Mm. They're very granular about it. It's not just, hey, this will run. It, it, I mean, there are games that run perfectly great, but Valve does not give it the distinction of being, you know, great on Steam Deck which is a tab that you have on your, on your Steam Deck. Um, if, for example, the text is too tiny to read mm. on the screen or it doesn't perfectly translate to the controls that happen to be on the Steam Deck, that is a little clunky. And I have found that to be extremely helpful. I mean, there are games that I have loaded onto it where I've said to myself, oh, there's no there's no way this won't run great on Steam Deck. And it's true. It does run great on Steam Deck, but it's still not in my, you know, featured games in the menu because you have to, you have to find it and tell it to run it because it'll give you that warning screen. It's like, okay, here's the list of issues that we know about this game. And this, the tiny text is actually a pretty significant thing. And I love how they're holding developers to task about that. And I think you're, you're going to see patches and, games that will have a Steam Deck specific modes and and functionality to remedy some of those tiny little nitpicks which are nits you know there's actually a a zoom feature that you can hold down the steam button and and press one of the the buttons at the same time and it'll zoom in to to read tiny text which is super useful and I've used a number of times, but yeah, it is annoying when the text is too small to read on that little screen. So it's awesome that Valve is being that specific about calling out those things per game and like, hey, you know, we're not going to tell you this game runs great, even though you're going to have no problems with frame rate or stuttering or any of that stuff that would normally be what is considered not great. But uh-huh. it's these other things that are not great. And I, I, I really respect them for that. I think it's great, you know, for them to do. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, I mean, I'm also, I think what kind of pushed me over the edge too is this desire to tinker. I was texting you about, you know, adding Epic Game Store games to it. And it seems like it's fairly simple to get that. But then again, you have the, do they run with Proton or not? And and how does that kind of, I get not emulation, but the Linux kind of overlay for yeah. some, forcing some of these games. But that also excites me in a way that... uh uh, I'm sure I will spend many hours. That will be the game playing I will do for the day. Well, as long <laughs> as you don't go full Carboni. I don't know if you've heard about what uh, Anthony did on his his Twitch stream, but he uh, oh. decided to... Twi- okay, I'm going to watch it. Okay, Yeah, yeah he what? did a full... Uh, evidently, he broke his Steam Deck. Uh, he knew he was going to going in, but he he tried to upgrade the RAM in it or something, and you have to like, you know, physically pry things open and, and break oh. stuff. Yeah, he was... Uh, so no, no, no. My, my tinkering is just the uh, following tutorials that other people have already done. And I, I am not charting well, doing the that too. <laughs> North Atlantic passage here. Yeah. I am uh, hopefully. Yeah. And, and the other big thing about it for me, 
between that and a wheel, which let's be honest, I still might one day, uh, is putting it away. I like the idea of you can put it away. <laughs> yeah. It has a case and it gets, it gets put away, but I'm it's super great case too. Those I'm super excited. Case. Uh, Anthony, do you have a steam deck? Are you getting a steam deck? Are you? So Christian and I were talking about it. So I, yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't really, I was like, eh, what? You yeah. Know, same as me, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but then Elden ring, obviously. And then rogue legacy, like enough games. Uh, so I did put in a pre-order recently. Um, and I, I will get one, but not for not for a while. But I yeah, I'm just I, I I'm one of those weirdos that has never played his switch undocked. So I don't mm. even know how much I'll use it, you know? Like I don't I, I definitely I work from home, I don't go anywhere. <laughs> well, I definitely am not using it in the way that is the marquee way to use it, in the sense of the people are like, you you can play God of War PC on it. You can play you know, you can play uh, you know, destiny on it. You can put, you know, like, I, I'm not using it for these big, massive PC games that it's like, wow, you can actually play that on handheld. I think that's cool, but I am loving it for the stuff like Rogue Legacy, Vampire Survivors, the stuff that I love playing handheld on my Switch as well, which is these sort of indie titles, these pick up and play games, these, these games where I'm not worried about the fan going, because it's like, oh, this, you know, it, it, it I, but that's still a great use case for me for it. I, I, there's still enough of those great games like that, that I am so grateful that I'm not like, oh, I hope it comes out on Switch. Oh, I hope it comes out on Switch. Because also it feels a heck of a lot better than the Switch to me. It really yeah. does. As I'm an adult human with, with hands, that are adult human size, <laughs> it feels way better. It's heavier, that's for sure, but it's uh, it 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 feels better. Too. Yeah, I I mean I I have become a you know a frame rate snob because of the next gen and all that. Playing like you know firing up uh, any game on Switch, it's like oh no, I gotta yeah. play at thirty frames. I don't want to, but yeah, I I will get the Steam Deck and I will probably take advantage of it. But yeah, I have this problem of it yeah i just i'm at home all the time so if i just want to play a game i just walk over um but it's just yeah at, at once i started playing rogue legacy and i was thinking you know when i'm doing whatever when we're just watching tv or watching a basketball game i could be farming some gold this seems too good to pass up okay i'll get one yeah, yeah. I, i've been blown away by mine totally i love the dedicated device as much as i love you know some gaming on my phone i think apple arcade has interesting uh uh games and experiences i find that like i don't really want to game on my phone because i'll get a text or be distracted by something else and don't get me wrong i game a lot on my pc and i game a lot on my consoles but also like i'll sit down on my pc and it's like i'll see the work that i should be doing <laughs> there on the desktop <laughs> and i i love the like i pick up my switch a lot because it's just like i'm done playing off we go and playing and i hope i hope i'll be talking a lot more about the deck in that regard as well where it's just it's i'm not also checking twitter or, or also reading the news or also doing this other stuff it's just i am just i have 15 minutes easy peasy let's go it i've said it many times now the best feature of the thing is that quick resume it is so nice to be able to yes play just grab the, you don't have to boot up your computer you don't have to open a laptop or it's just boop it's on you're back in right where you left off go 
really cool. Um, well, one of the games that, I mean, I've, I've been playing nonstop Rogue Legacy 2, but another game that came out this week that I've been looking forward to a lot and I immediately purchased uh, and played on my Steam Deck, which is one of the games where I realized, oh yeah, that tiny text is a problem on this thing, is a game called Teardown. Uh, this is a, uh, a a really clever idea, which is why I had my eye on it for a long time. As soon as I saw the announcement trailer for Teardown, I was like, this seems like a game I would dig. It's basically a Minecraft-esque uh, sort of voxel-looking world made up of, you know, a crude kind of uh, Lego-type boxes. Uh, but there's actually a story here. There's a campaign, and the idea is that you're doing these heists. You are doing uh, jobs where you have to break into places and steal things and get out without getting caught. But because the world is built like a Minecraft world, literally every single thing can be broken, bashed, destroyed, blown up, moved, changed. Uh, and they all have properties that are consistent with the materials that they're, you know, they are. Uh, so if you have a big brick building, it's going to be a heck of a lot harder to break into than a wooden building, for example. Um and there are vehicles to drive, big tractors and cranes and stuff that are happen to be left around some of these sites. And there are security systems and there are tons of different entrances and exits. And of course, you can always make your own by just breaking through a wall and destroying things. It's a brilliant concept because it, it's, a, it's a sandbox that actually gives you context for what to do in it and i i really think it's a it's a it's a pretty cool game my only caveat is i find myself i mean i guess if there wasn't a rogue legacy 2 i'd be playing a lot more of this but i find myself less inclined to turn on a game of tearaway simply because of the anxiety that it gives me it's one of those things what tear down tearaway is that Ooh, excuse me. game yes sorry tear down yes pardon me uh, but anyway, it gives me anxiety because it's constantly that, are you going to get caught? Uh, oh, you did a thing. A timer is up on the screen. Can you get out before the timer expires? Oh, I didn't do it. Now that said, the game does a lot of things. Chief among them gives you quick saves and even suggests quick saves it says, Hey, you're about to do something crazy, dude. You should probably quick save right now. Uh, so, it, and the quick saves load really fast. Um, so in that sense, it, there are a lot of tools that it gives you as far as, is not, you know, easing that you're not going to lose tons of uh, progress if you, you know, don't, don't make the timer or whatever, but still for a, a gamer like me who gets, I just don't like it when a number comes up on the screen. It's like 15, 14, 13, you get to the car. Ah! I know that creates tension and the, exactly what the designers wanted to do. But for me, that tension is not pleasurable most of the time. Um, but I do think the game is brilliant. I think it lives up to its premise, which is, and, and, and there's a lot more story there than I expected as well. There's a lot of fun writing of how the missions are, are laid out. And you, you have this little, you know, you have this little flop house that you start in every time and you get um, emails on your computer that like tell you the thing and you get more information about this shady corporation that you're stealing from. and. It's cool. <laughs> one of the, I think one of the, like the second mission you, um, 
you as you know when you start it you wake up and your alarm clock is going off and of course you can smash your alarm clock and you because know, everything in the game can be broken and destroyed and it's it's kind of you know there to literally have you just bash the crap out of this this alarm clock so there's a lot of clever kind of tongue-in-cheek stuff as well um i, I recommend it it's called tear down and uh i i played it on pc and on steam deck did it scratch that red faction itch in a way because that's kind of like the early trailers i saw for it were like because it has those missions like red faction i feel like the missions would it sometimes be don't smash everything and i was like <laughs> yeah okay red faction <laughs> yeah I, it's an interesting comparison i didn't make that connection but it, it does make sense i think the biggest differentiator is that it's not third person it's it's first mm. person uh tear down is um so it doesn't feel like red faction um, and it doesn't have that sort of open world quality of Red Faction. You really are dropped into missions very specifically and have to figure them out. And they are sandboxes, but not in the same way that the big open world of Red Faction Guerrilla was, um, which I liked so much. So yeah, it doesn't really feel that way. And also graphically, it's much more Minecrafty and it, it's sort of abstracted mm. a bit. Um, so it, it really has its own look and feel. I kind of wish the game was third person, frankly. Uh, I find, you know, I get a little disoriented how close I am to something before I can hit it, how close I have to move a, a tractor to be able to get to a window by climbing up the top of the tractor. Oh, I didn't get close enough because the first person was little, I couldn't rotate the camera around and really look at it. You know, it's so, yeah, those are little nitpicks, but uh, I, I think ultimately it's a, it's a pretty cool game and it, fe- it in contrast to what you're saying, it feels really original. It feel it doesn't really feel like anything else. It's like, oh wow, it's a heist. It really is a heist game, you know. Whereas the you know Red Fraction Gorilla was like, you know, all kinds of different things where you go in and you know kill a right. bunch of people. You're not running into other humans in this game. You're it, it, these are abandoned places, and you just have to deal with security systems, alarms mostly. You know. All right, that's our playlist. And that's our show. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Anthony Towermina, it's always great to talk to you. I miss seeing you in person. Thank you for being Indeed. here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm always available. And we appreciate <laughs> it more than you know. Uh, tell the folks where they can keep up with the things that you put out on the internet. Well, GameRant.com, I am editor-in-chief. Uh, I don't write too much. Uh, I am working on some some things based on my Disney trip. Uh, I'm going to kind of do uh, – let's, let's be honest. I want to be able to expense this Disney trip. So <laughs> I am uh, going to talk about the new Spider-Man ride, which is there, which is really awesome, and then Rise of the Resistance, which uh, is the new Star Wars ride or newish Star Wars ride. Um, so if you want to read about those, they should be going up this week. But GameRant.com, I, I'm – I'm there uh, curating the content in a lot of ways. And then if you don't like that content, it's, I'm not responsible for it. That, one, <laughs> that, stuff, that stuff wasn't me. I didn't do that. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at Aunt Tormina, which is spelled A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-A. I'm looking forward to reading how the new Spider-Man ride compares to the teacups. I just hope that every <laughs> rundown is how is it, is it good as the teacups? <laughs> it, it was not as good as the teacups for my kid, but for me, being able to, you know, thwip with your just your hands is uh, is pretty awesome. Cool. I usually thwip with my hip. 
Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Not thinking about your comment any longer than I had to, <laughs> Jeff. Uh, I'm going to let that one go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> um, I, I have a, a newsletter where I write long form about video games. It's called Let's Chat Games. You can subscribe to that for free at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. It's usually one or two a month or so. Um, I'm kicking around two ideas for this next one. Both excite me. I imagine it will be, I'll pick, I'll settle on one for this, this upcoming one, uh, here now that we're in May. And then the other one will follow shortly thereafter. Cause I like, I like both of those ideas. And then what I've started doing now is after that newsletter goes out, uh, when I have the time to, to get and do it, I do video versions of those newsletters and those video versions I, I put up on the DLC Patreon. So you can find those at patreon.com slash DLC pod sometime after the newsletter comes out. And I have time to shoot and uh, edit a video, which sometimes I have a lot of time for. And other times it takes a little bit. <laughs> it takes a little bit of time. And then Twitter's the best way to see, uh, you know, what other uh, sites I buy. Um, however, I spend my other billions of dollars. And you can follow me on there at uh, Elon Musk <laughs> is, where, is where I am on his uh, on his website. I, yeah, actually, I have a profile on Elon's personal website. Yeah. And you can find me there at, at Spicer. <laughs> We're doing the best we can to try to get as much value into that Patreon as we possibly can. Christian's doing awesome stuff, adding bonus shows and bonus content. I'm doing the same and and we are open to uh your suggestions and requests we're really i think we're going to try to do a push toward a thousand patrons i think that's that's our our main goal at this point we have uh close to 800 and so uh, there are 200 more of you listening who think hey i'm right on the cusp of of wanting to support the show give us a shot i think you'll dig the bonus content i think you'll feel good about helping the show stay going. Uh, that's patreon.com slash DLC pod. Of course, we never want anyone to support us if it will cause you in any way, any financial hardship. There are lots of easy free ways to support the show as well, if that's the case for you, including telling your friend about it, writing us a review on your platform of choice. We love that as well. It helps. It really does. Um, and, uh, you know, posting on social media about uh, about the show. We we really appreciate the folks that do that too. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I have uh, several other shows, including the Filmcast, which is a movie and TV review show that I do. Quite fun. Uh, I do a comedy science show called We Have Concerns. And I do the fan-controlled show uh, which is a podcast about fan-controlled football, which I'm also involved in. I am calling professional football games, ladies and gentlemen. I was on a call. I was on a in the broadcast booth when Terrell Owens caught a touchdown pass from star Clemson quarterback Kelly Bryant this weekend. I mean, as a guy who grew up idolizing the San Francisco 49ers. I got to call a, a be on the call for a do color commentary for a touchdown pass from, for Terrell Owens. Pretty, pretty special. 
Uh, and it, man, the games this last weekend were incredible. All of them, all four games. I got to do all four games. Usually I only do two, the first two of the day, but I got to do all four this week and all four were top tier right down to the last second nail biter thrillers. Uh, you should check it out. I think I'm, I'm having a blast watching fan controlled football. It really is a mashup between elite sports. And video games. It's Madden in real life. Fans call the plays, just like you do in Madden. And yet, people like Terrell Owens and Johnny Manziel and all these star athletes run the play that you call. It's pretty, pretty cool. So check it out. uh, Twitch.tv slash FCF for fan-controlled football. All right. You can't have Bo Jackson in the league because everyone would call... I know you say it's like Madden, but everywhere just do Tecmo Bowl and be like, give it to Bo. Give the ball to Bo Jackson. Touchdown every time, every single time. Well, there are players like that, my friend. And uh, it is. (laughs) I saw some of the replays. Uh, I would say, too, it was cool. Like the overlay of the play with the play. There's some cool tech. There's nothing like it. Yeah, you get to see the play they're going to run before they run it. We we do literally an overlay. And there's a drone that that uh, films the the play. There's nothing like fan control football. It's wild, and I just am having so much fun being a part of it this season for season 2.0. Um, yeah, but thanks for checking that out. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Anthony, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Well, I have two. Uh, One, I snuck onto tabletop time and we didn't get to talk about it. So I would just like to give a shout out to something. Yes. Uh, It is called the movie movie game. Um, There's a YouTube uh, channel called the Valley Folk and they would play this uh, game called the movie movie game. They would bring on a lot of popular people that you might know from like Rooster Tweet rooster teeth like uh james williams and Elise, his wife um but the the game itself is right up my alley it is a uh, card-based game where you mash up two movies um and you try and guess what those movies are and i prepared one for you guys oh just just for funsies okay just for funsies so you can get a sampling of this because i used to watch these youtube videos i loved them and then they made a game you can actually subscribe to it uh or or buy it through kickstarter uh at the valley folk i think it's just valleyfolk.com and they'll have it but uh so what i'm gonna do essentially how it works is you read the description for a mashup between two movies and the way that they mash up, I know Christian is already like, I just, uh, you're putting me on the spot. I, is but, this exactly the game we used to play on the Totally Rad Show? We called it Movie Mashup, but. Maybe. Um, somebody just monetize so, our idea? <laughs> they might have. I got to go um, back and start rewatching some TRS. I got to get some get some games out. Oh, we did, dude, we did, uh, we did a whole bunch of games. We did uh, maybe a half a dozen different games. Yeah, anyway. Go ahead. You, you, yeah, you you might be right. Um but yeah, the, essentially the way it works is the the first movie title has to connect to the second movie Wait, title. We it did is, it this is, in 2009. Well, anyway, I'm your lawyer now. Okay, yeah. so uh, here it is. A forever child sprinkles pixie dust upon British youths and then fly and they fly away to a super secure lockdown chamber nestled inside their house to avoid a violent Dwight Yoakam. All right, say it again. Say the whole thing again. 
A forever child sprinkles pixie dust upon British youths and they fly uh, away. Peter Pan's Labyrinth. Nope. To a super secure lockdown chamber nestled oh, Peter inside Pan their home. Yep. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah. I, now by bringing this up and now saying that I just, you know, am promoting something that, you know, violates copyright. It, I, I, we should have. It literally is what we did. It was, we called it a movie mashup. Uh, that is pretty hilarious. But yes, we, we literally did movie that for years on my brand show. new board game for every entertainment lover brought to you by the Valley Folk, the creators of the popular movie movie game series <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> Valley folk. <laughs> anyway, I I did want to give it a shout out because I am a crazy uh, movie fan and it it is uh, a great game. But my actual parting gift is uh, I'm gonna give a big thumbs up recommendation to Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds or World, hmm. uh, the upcoming series. I've watched a couple of them with my dad. He's a big Star Trek fan, and we've watched some of the other Star Trek series on Paramount Plus formerly CBS All Access, like uh, Picard and Discovery. And they just haven't met the same vibe for him of like Next Generation, which was his jam. But we watched a couple Strange New World and he he loves it. Uh, awesome. It is a spinoff from Discovery. But uh, if you're like a kind of traditional or an old school Star Trek fan that maybe didn't like the new things that they've been doing, maybe you'll enjoy Strange New World. I've heard I've heard Picard got I, I watched the first season of Picard or at least a few episodes of it and I was very turned off as a huge fan of Same, the next generation. Yeah. But I've heard like season two gets better and supposedly season three is gonna be amazing. Well he he enjoys it because they just started jamming all of his characters <laughs> into the show. Yeah. Um they were like, okay, well we're just gonna give all this yeah, money. It has, but like, everybody. Yeah. He like you was like, I, I like Picard, I love Next Generation, but this is not what I'm looking for. <clears throat> but Stranger World is because it's like more, uh, you know, one-off type of episodes, adventures, things like that. All right. Christian Spicer, what about you? What's your parting gift? I think you all have talked about it on the film cast some, Jeff. And I, I think if I my ears are correct in remembering, you maybe haven't started. And maybe I doubt I will be the grain of sand that pushes you over the edge. Um, but Better Call Saul, which is now in its last and final season on last regular and TV. Final. Last and final. Um, Thank you. Last final and uh, ultimate Um, (laughs) on regular TV. It had its first five on Netflix here in the U S it's phenomenal. And I I don't know if it sticks to landing because the landing hasn't happened yet. I think maybe better than breaking bad and just didn't, it seemed to get the heat and I don't know if it didn't get the heat because breaking bad came out before everything was streaming. You know, I know breaking bad got a boost from then getting onto Netflix and that kind of what elevated it. But like breaking bad, there was just Netflix, you know, we, yeah. we all watch the same shows. Um, and it, it, one, it's an incredible show. And what really blows my mind about better call Saul is the idea that it is a prequel where, so many of the characters you know what happens to in some regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's such a difficult thing to do. Uh, so many other franchises have tried, you know, major franchises have tried to go back to that well and tell the story before the story that they've told, and very few stick it. And I think what Odenkirk and team, um, Vince Gillian and the crew behind Better Call Saul have done with that show is nothing short of of remarkable and if you haven't watched any of it 
Um, season one is still phenomenal. I think it only gets better from there. And in the U S one through five are on Netflix. Uh, and season six is currently airing highly, highly recommend. I am currently halfway through season two. Oh, but I have great. been told that season three is when it gets good because I, I loved all of them, but it does. It, it is similar to a breaking. Not, it's not the same plot, but like, you know, dominoes start falling and stuff yeah. starts stacking and ropes get tight. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. I, I I have not been loving it uh, through one and a half seasons, uh, but okay. it's certainly, okay. I do love Bob Odenkirk. And there is there's something in each episode that is great. But it, I I, I uh, surprised at the comparisons to Breaking Bad because I think Breaking Bad is one of the best shows ever made. Um, I don't disagree. I would just yeah. also put Better Call Saul there. <laughs> right? No, I, 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 I'm in it to win it. I, I will be uh, catching up as fast as I can, but um, haven't, haven't gotten to that, like, ah, oh, shout from the mountaintops yet. Um, interestingly, my parting gift uh, is also, like Anthony's was, also a Paramount Plus show uh, that I have just started watching. Uh, so I don't know if it, 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 stays uh, compelling but it sure is some it, <laughs> maybe a guilty pleasure watch it, it, it's a it's a show called the offer which is about the making of the godfather and it's a little overwrought a little over the top uh but <laughs> it's pretty great uh just for the depiction of robert evans alone which um Oh, I'm blanking on the actor's name who does it, but he's awesome. He's in tons of stuff. Ah, I'm sorry, sir. I can't remember his name. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it, if you like movies about movies, if you like movies about Hollywood, it, it, it lives up. I mean, in the first episode alone, you get Francis Ford Coppola, Robert Redford, you know, uh, Robert Evans, like all these famous Hollywood uh, larger than life people from the 70s. Um, you know, actors playing them and like, you know, it's, it's, it's a, a little over the top, but I'm enjoying it. So that's uh, the offer on Paramount plus we got a listener suggested parting gift. This comes to us at DLC feedback at gmail.com from Brian C. Boggess. Brian writes, uh, seeing as the so, several of your episodes recently have had a theme of great YouTube channels, I wanted to throw in another one, Splattercat Gaming. Essentially, it is 20 to 30 minute videos of overviews and first looks at incredible indie games, but done in a way I've never seen before. And the best part is he showcases a new game every day. There's a few things that he does different that I think make this channel stand out. One, uploads a new video every day, showing off a great indie game. Two, put several descriptors in the title of his video so you'll be able to tell if the game is something you'd even be interested in without needing to watch it. For instance, Lumencraft, sandbox-based building bug defense. Three, he puts the game first off, he plays the game first off screen to understand its mechanics and get through the cutscenes and tutorials and into the game proper. That way, you don't have to watch all the boring stuff to get to the main gameplay loop. Four, he then spends the first opening minutes introducing the game, its developers, and going over the UI, then proceeds to play the game as normal. Five, 
when he starts playing the game, he basically just is explaining what's going on on the screen, explaining the game mechanics as they happen and just general lighthearted commentary in between. Six, this lasts for about 20 to 30 minutes until he reaches a stopping point and will close the video and give you his thoughts about the game in a few short sentences. Seven, every game he showcases is a quality game. There's no low effort asset flip titles. You can clearly tell every game has been made with passion. His channel is literally a treasure trove of great indie games, and this alone would be worth a sub, let alone everything else I've mentioned above. Eight, this isn't a review channel. It's just a, hey, see if you like this game channel, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And with him uploading every day, there's so much back content to dig through and so much more new content being, being piled on, you'll never run out of indie games to check out. There's literally too many games. Well, thanks, Brian. Uh, I had not heard of Splatter Cat Gaming, but I do agree. It's a great way to showcase uh, games that probably don't get enough spotlight put on them. So check that out if you want to check out some indie games. Very cool. And if you'd like your parting gift read on our show, send it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you do that. And of course, we love hearing from you there. And on the Patreon, if you're a patron, uh, we love hearing from you. And we'll be highlighting more of that stuff in the paid DLC show we record now on Wednesday. So check that out at patreon.com slash DLC pod. Speaking of our patrons, the top tier of our patrons, our hype train patrons get their names shouted out at the end of the show. So I think uh, Christian, if you want to take that away. Okay. So uh, you like music, huh? Huh, Jeff? Hey, we need to thank the following folks who really helped make this show possible. Andy Joyce, Anthony Goulas, Dan Flanagan, Sasan, Adam Denby, Scooby Diesel, Jonathan Talbert, Chris Zacharias, Will with one L Harris, Jeff Luxus, Matt Bradley, Victor Valenzuela, Cheesy Bob, Hank Patton, Rob Rixman, Riley Knox, Kyle Starr, Mitchell Ness, Jimmy Radcliffe, Awesome U.S. Movies, The Switch Bit, Neil Shaw, Scott Hughes, Guitar Solo, Neener, 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 Jenny, Nate, Zachary White, Yick, Albert Verheldi Dios, Jonathan Spiceman, Schlepp Lafer, Stu Goss, 
Bitte, bitte. Gavin Brazel. Bitte, bitte. Dan. Bitte, bitte. Lloyd Nance. Bitte, Dan Palmino. Bitte, bitte. Malcolm King. Bitte, bitte. Mark Gowland. Bitte, bitte. Jonathan Putney. Silencer. Soren Silk. Travis. Mike Lombardo. Jackson. Michael Stadler. Drum solo. Peter Alberg, Nick Strauss Klein, Josh Peak, P.S. Taylor, Wigger, Clifton Satter, Jason Novak. Octavian Ratziu Christian Bravery Music I guess this is called music I'm sorry for this music But I'm not sorry for saying thank you All right, that's it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Christian Spicer and Anthony Taormina for hanging out with me. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for those cool bumpers. Thanks to our, our uh, uh, intro song, our theme song, created by White Cube. Jason Sherry and T. Ryan Arnold. Thanks, fellas, for making that. And thanks to each and every one of you for downloading the show and listening to us. We appreciate you. We'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.